Friends and family, welcome back to the new scoreboard. Again, this is a new podcast, our fourth episode uh, with host Brian Davidson. Brian, how are you doing this week? Doing great, Nate. Looking forward to this week. Yeah, me too. I mean, this is a continuation. This is our, we're talking about uh, at this point in time, the 10 P's of uh, sports ministry of the new scoreboard. And so we're in passion and this is passion part two. Last week we talked about loving God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. This week we're going to be talking about the second greatest commandment. But before we do that, we want to make sure that we reiterate the contest that we want to have. This is going to be starting October 20th. Sorry, not contest. Uh, This is actually fast. So October 20th is when we're going to be starting And we're going to be doing a 30-day fast instead of a 40-day fast. Initially, when Brian and I were talking, we were just kind of working out the logistics of it in order to make sure that we get enough people involved who want to be involved and make sure that that group of people is connected on Twitter and Facebook. We just wanted to make sure that um, everything was lined up for that. So it's going to be starting October 20th, which is 10 days from today. And it's going to be a 30-day fast. So for those of you who are interested in joining, please make sure you sign up on Facebook and Twitter. We're going to be sending out tweets. We're going to be sending out messages on Facebook just to be encouraging you uh, to be asking what we, how we can pray for you in those areas. Um, you know, and, and this really, this fast is part of the mission and the glory of the impossible. And so we want to make sure that you know, our, our theme, the glory of the impossible, what we end on every week is really emphasized, um, as well as kind of the subtext for this, you know, this is the new scoreboard. The idea is to love God and like sports and that concept of the glory of the impossible, Brian, you wanted to go ahead and talk about that. Um, you know, so take it away. And, and if I ever had a, a glory of the impossible, you know, left over from last week, kind of entering into this week, Nate. Um, there was a story actually in 1905. It was the invasion of Wales by the Spirit of God. And it was written by uh, James Stewart. Mm-hmm. And uh, he talked about a sense of the Lord's presence was everywhere. His presence was so great that even the places of amusement and carousel, as he called it, became places of holy awe. Mm. Wales, up until this time, was in the grip of football, soccer, fever, when tens of thousands of working-class men thought and talked only of one thing. Mm. They gambled also on the results of the games, but now they fell in love with God. That's kind of what we're hoping for here. We want to take a remnant of people who I know already loved Lord, but we just really, really want to keep falling in love with him so much so that our hearts aren't pulled to wander from entertainment, the world of sports and amusement, so that we can be who we need to be as leaders in our family, as parents, and um, even some young people might be listening to this who, who want to be sure their attitude is uh, devoted to God. Their motivation is driven to please him. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's, and that's great. And, you know, I want to clarify because last week I said, oh, you know, I, I, I don't 
need to do this 40 day fast with sports, but, um, you know, there are certainly, uh, certainly aspects and things in my life that I do need to fast from, but we are focusing on those sports aspects. So I will, um, I will go ahead and pick something just so that I can be in this with you all, uh, <laughs> pick something that I need to fast from. I will talk to my wife and find out what that is and, and be okay, in the trenches two- with you. Oh, that's good. That's good. Cause you know, it's just hard. That's the truth of the matter. It isn't something like I'm going, oh, yes. Right. I, but I know I need it. And yeah. I know I need this correction at different times in my life. And um, it's just really easy to, to veg in front of a, uh, a game or a few games or whatever. So. Yeah. All right. Very good. Well, today we want to jump right in. So, Brian, we are talking about passion part two today. Um, and and to kick it off, we talked about last week that you have a story just to illustrate um, the effects that it had personally on you when you weren't putting God first uh, in sports. And so want to give you an opportunity today to set up what we're going to talk about by telling that story that involved you and a particular referee. Yeah, right. This is a tough one, uh, but this is the second part of our our passion discussion. Um, And the second part of that passion discussion is love your neighbor as yourself, right? So in Luke 10, 27, you know, the first greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then Jesus comes out and says, um, and love your neighbor as yourself. And it's the same thing he says to the Pharisees in Matthew 22. And, you know, that's, a, a, they come from, basically Jesus is bringing that from Leviticus 19.18. So it's this combination of Deuteronomy 6.5 and Leviticus 19.18 that he's responding to. And so, wow, love your neighbor as yourself. And this story that I'm going to share with you is one that I, um, it's painful. Mm. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely painful, but I, I feel like the more vulnerable and transparent that I can be, the more that others will understand the, the journey of where I've come from so that as you've reiterated numerous times, it's not us speaking uh, down to people in such a critical, judgmental spirit as it is. It's more of a, um, hey, let's do this life together yeah. so that we can be all that God wants us to be, that we can be in position for God to use us beyond anything we can dream or imagine in our lives and through our lives and that he and he alone will get the glory. And this story this week, love your neighbors yourself is about the ref who stunk. Mm. And this ref stunk. It was a soccer game. I was uh, coaching at a, a higher level and uh, this guy was about six, seven. I've got nothing against, you know, uh, tall people. <laughs> uh, but he was six, seven and overweight. I don't know how he got his 
referee's license to be able to ref at this level because he trailed the play by so much that honestly, when he blew his whistle, I had no idea what he was going to call. I mean, it was just some of the most horrific calls. I, I felt like he could have closed his eyes and just like picked a foul out of his blue, you know, out of the clouds, and he would have been right more often than trying to, um, you know, call a foul based on what he saw. So he was terrible. And of course, the refs are always worse when you're losing. Right. You know, it seems like we can tolerate them if we win, but if we lose, they're just the worst of the worst. And so this game was about to end, and I was beside myself. And behind me was the home crowd who knew that I was a Christian. Mm. So now I'm kind of hemmed in there a bit, right? Like, can't throw anything. If I was a swearer, which I wasn't, you know, I couldn't swear, you know, like, right. I, like I couldn't like this nonverbal. I had to be, you know, careful because I'm representing Christ there as a follower. But like, I'm like exasperated. And as a younger coach and as a younger athlete, I wasn't as um, uh, discreet with sure. my emotions. And I was I was a disaster too often times. I had a real hard time of integrating my faith into competition. And so, you know, as it talks about in Jeremiah, our hearts are deceitful at the core. Yeah. And um, about a minute left to go in the game, I knew what I was going to do. I knew a way in which I could vent my absolute displeasure for this ref who stunk. So the final whistle blew. I went over to the other team, shook their hands, and then waited for everybody else to shake the referee's hands who were out on the middle of the field. And then when no one else was around him, the last person, I went over to him. And I was so deceitful that if you can picture this, we're in the middle of the field and I extend my hand and shake his hand with a smile on my face so that if you were in the stands looking down at me, you could see me shaking his hand with a smile on my face talking to him. Yeah. And I'm shaking his hand in such a way with a smile. And I say to him, sir, I have been in this game a long time. You are the absolute worst referee that I've ever experienced in my 30 plus years in the game. Please, with a smile on my face, I say to him, please, for the good of the game, go home tonight and think about never, ever refereeing again. Have a great weekend. And I walked away. Now, if you're up in the stands, you look and you could even be thinking, wow, look at that Christian man. He loves the Lord. It was evident for all to see this guy stunk. But still, this Christian coach, Brian, could go out there with a smile on his face, shake his hand 
and give him words of affirmation. When in reality, I had done just the opposite. Mm. And that was on a Saturday. And I wish the story just ended there with me going home and feeling great conviction and, you know, writing him a letter of an apology. But but I didn't. My, My heart quite honestly, was just full of self-righteous indignation. Mm. I had so justified it that, you know, we worked so hard as a team, we prepared, and, you know, we end up having this terrible raft who cost the game. It's just not right. And it was just, I was just full of myself. Um, And, of course, I was coaching the team, the head coach. So, like, do I take responsibility for the loss myself? No, like, I put it on to somebody else. You know, like I transfer that responsibility to them because my pride is hurt now. I mean, how many times do do fathers and families do this, um, you know, in the stands? I mean, I was at a high school game recently. We lost a hard fought, you know, game. And, you know, while our team is on the field in a huddle with the other team in prayer, there are fathers yelling at the referee how um, how terrible he was. And how much he costs us the game. So, like, this happens on a regular basis out there. For me, that was my moment. Now, next week, I give our team a pep talk at home again we're playing. I give the game plan, and I come out of the locker room with one thing on my mind. Who are the four refs assigned to this game, Mm -hmm. especially Who's going to be in the center? And as I come out onto the field, there are the four refs, different places. Two of them at the scorer's table, two of them different places on the field. And I look on the field, and I'm thinking, okay, great. That's not him. I look at the other one on down the other end of the field, checking the nets. That's not him. And as I'm walking closer to the scorer's table, I look to see that the two guys there, they're not the referee from last week. And I go over to them with like great excitement. And I'm like, guys, I am so happy to see you. Like, and they kind of like startled a little bit, right. you know, look at each other, you know. And I'm sure they were thinking I'm probably trying to like, um, you know, manipulate them for a call later on the game, which wouldn't have been beyond me, you know. Um, but I'm like, no, no, like, it's so great and they're like what you know what why why is it so great to see us and i'm like oh we had a referee last week he was terribly trailed the play he made terrible calls they said like what was his name i said i don't know he was six seven though he was overweight i mean he was just and i was with so much passion just sharing my again disdain for this guy this self-righteous indignation of just how terrible it was and heaping this blame on him and uh critical spirit and just as i was finishing up that tirade again they looked at each other and it just caused me to like stop and they looked back at me and i was quiet now and they said oh, hey, you're not going to have to worry about him refereeing any more of your games. On Wednesday night, he had a heart attack and died. Mm. 
right? Yeah. Wow. I mean, just the weight of that. The um, I, I can't even put into words how I felt at that moment. Um, the conviction, the reality of the fact of being a follower of Jesus Christ in the environment of competitive sports as a, a witness for him, one who's to be devoted to him with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind, a desire to please him in all of my life, even in the environment of competitive sports, in my role as a coach at that time. And here I am called to love my neighbor. You know, it's second greatest commandment. And um, I don't know where he was at spiritually. I pray to God he had made a decision to follow Christ, but I know that I was a representative, an ambassador for Christ who failed miserably. Mm. And that challenging moment that we all face challenging circumstances, situations, issues, and people in the environment of competitive sports, but they do not give us any excuse whatsoever to not love our neighbor as ourself. And it was heartbreaking. It was convicting, I guess, in, in the light of, if I gave a, a, some biblical references to it, it'd be like Isaiah maybe in Isaiah 6, you know, when, when he is faced with his failings and sinfulness, mm. you know, and he just is like dumbfounded and distraught and depressed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or um, maybe like Peter, when he comes to that place where he is confronted by Christ and knows that he's denied Christ three times. Yeah. Um, it's It's got to be... It, it, I felt like I could almost feel what they felt at that moment, um, that tremendous guilt uh, from falling short and, and, and failing. And, and yet, God came and ministered through the angels to Isaiah. Mm. And, and, and Jesus came, and he didn't. Um, he didn't pick Peter up and forgive Peter and then put him on the sidelines. He built his church around him. He, 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 he became a, a, an impact player yeah. for the cause of Christ. And I think not to put words in their mouth, but what, ha- you know, uh, you know, Isaiah goes, you know, here I am, send me like, and what happens in that transition, I think happened with me. It was like, a tremendous amount of conviction, um, of regret and guilt. Um, and I saw my sin for what it was. I saw myself as a sinner for what I was. I saw my righteousness as filthy rags. Mm. And I said, enough, Lord, forgive me. And I want to 
change my approach. I want to love my neighbor like I've never loved him before. And when we talk about this passion, the one thing is like last week builds off of this week because the truth of the matter is I can't referee. I can't love a referee who stinks naturally. I prove that. You know, the only re- the only way any of us can love any of our neighbors as ourselves is out of an overflow for our love for God. Mm-hmm. That's the only way. It's a supernatural power that comes from abiding in Him. It, it, he so fills us with a love for Him that He changes our perspectives. He changes our uh, affections, and 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 they get. Out of that overflow, they can flow to our neighbor. And so I had to, Nate, ask myself, like this second greatest commandment, I have to live out in the environment of sports. And I had to ask myself just simple, simple question, who's my neighbor? Yeah. Who's my neighbor? And for me as a father, it became other fathers and other families that are in the stands and the kids. And not the, just on your team, right? Yeah. First, starting with those on our team that I journey with who maybe for whatever reason are maybe they're obnoxious or mm-hmm. arrogant with their kids. They carry around, you know, fat heads. <laughs> you know, <their laughs> own kids. you look at it and you go, ah, you know, or they think their kids are great. Whatever that would maybe their kids play in front of my kids in sport. You know, I have a jealousy, you know, whatever or whatever that is, you know, I have to love the other parents on my team and I have to love those other parents on the other team who are obnoxious, you know, and some of them are Christians over there, you know, um, some of them are far from Christ. And then I have to love, you know, not only my son out there, but my, my, his teammates, mm-hmm. his opponents and the referees. Mm-hmm. Those are my neighbors, Nate. In the environment of sports, those are my neighbors who I am called to love. It it doesn't say in that second greatest commandment when Jesus is answering the Pharisee or the person, you know, how do you have eternal life? It doesn't say love your neighbors yourself with the exception of when you go into the environment of competitive sports because we know you can't do it there. It's impossible. Right, Right, right. And again, this is the essence of that in glory of the impossible. It is. But God makes it possible out of our love for him. That's why we want to even do some of this fast, because we want to fall in love with God to a de- in, in a deep way yeah. so that we, we, we can take all our affections. We get to that place with God. So it changes how um, our conduct and conduct and, and character. Let, let me let me set it up with this statement here, like. Devotion to God, our attitude towards God, devotion to God drives our motivation to please God, which then establishes our foundation for our character and our conduct towards our neighbor in the environment of competitive sports. Mm. That is the essence of Loving God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and loving our neighbors ourselves. It's all summed up right there. Devotion to God that'll drive our motivation to please Him, which provides the foundation for our character and conduct in the environment of competitive sports. Yeah. Yeah. So good. And 
I love what you said in there about recognizing where you were spiritually, because we can't begin to love our neighbor. And you said this too. We can't begin to love our neighbor until, well, we can't even begin to accept God's grace in our life until we understand just how much we need it. And then once we understand how much we need it, we accept it and we embrace it, but we still need to constantly be reminded even after we receive God's grace, how much we need it so that we know that we're not just done and clean and over with. In God's sight, we are made righteous through Jesus Christ, but we are still horrible sinners. And we need to know that and understand that so that when our neighbors do something that so annoy us, that so make us angry, we can go back to the fact that, you know what, how much have I done that has made God angry in my sin? And and when you look at it in comparison, my sinning toward God is by far so superior than someone sinning toward me. And when we get that connection and we get that understanding and we and we just bask and embrace in God's grace and love, we can't help but overflow and overpour that into our neighbor's life. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I mean, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, right? I mean, it says it pretty well. For Christ's love compels us. Yeah. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, listen, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And so we, we no longer, you know, live for ourselves. And, you know, Nate, we're going to go a little bit shorter this week. But I, I think, you know, for, for families out there that are in the environment kind of sports, this, this can be a game-changing moment a little bit here, you know, to ask and begin discussing, you know, who is our neighbor in the sports environment? Yeah. And then how do I love them? Yeah. And, and what this is going to bring about, you know, Romans 12, it talks about in verse 2, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this is what we're going to do. And, and and I shared with you, I think even last week, you know, as I talked with our boys, you know, how does a young man uh, keep his way pure, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, by living according to your word, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So the first thing I'm going to ask everybody to do is to uh, pick one of those verses in uh, Matthew um, 22, starting in verse 34 there, or Luke 10. There's another reference in Mark. But basically, start off as a family and, and just memorize this verse. Love the Lord to God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. And then meditate on that as a family with with questions of like, how do I love my neighbor? And we've got to ask, like, how do I love and and talk about this, kids? How do we love somebody who's playing in front of us Mm. on the field when they do something well? How do I love my teammate? For that's really arrogant. How do I love the parent who's just obnoxious? Right. How do I love an opponent out on the field to my kids who is just dirty? He's a dirty player 
and he just he's he's filthy he's ugly he's got he fouls my my uh son and his teammates intentionally he's just ugly how do i love him and how do i love a referee or even you know a referee who stinks or a coach who's not giving my son the playing time that i need this is practical this is what i want this to be um, this is how we're going to, you know, be revolutionary. <laughs> this is how we're going we're gonna to take this new scoreboard of love God, love our neighbors or ourselves, and we want to put it into play practically here, um, knowing that we're only as good as abiding in him. And we want to say, how do I love him? And, and we're going to start with maybe going to practice or going to games, just repeating this verse in our heart and soul, you know, on the way there and on the way back from practices, just trying to ingrain it to help us change our thinking about what our practice is going to be about and all. And, and what I would tell people is go to 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 9. We'll build off on this in weeks to come, but that's a great place because you're going to see right there you're going to begin reading some verses, you know, like, you know, we, we've been as spouses with our wives to do as well. But, to you know, to, to love never um, love is patient. Love is kind. Whoa. Yeah. Love is patient with our teammate, with the referee. Um, love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. I mean, it's incredible. You know, love never fails. Love forgives. Look what Christ did on the cross for us. So if we just start taking this as a family and just going like once a week, you know, like, Love is patient. Okay, how can we be patient? What's our challenge in, in, in this? How do we ask God? Let's pray about this. Um, and, and what we'll see is if we go back to purpose, there'll be an uh, intentional spiritual formation that's taken in our life directly around loving our, our neighbor. Again, not striving to do this, but really submitting to God to do this and understanding how we can do this, meditating on this, changing our mindset and and, and Nate, really for the week, I, I would give, you know, people always ask me, well, what are some of the best practices? We can talk more about this topic if you think in the future, but let me give you some best practices for loving your neighbor. W- would that be good at this time? Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Well, one of the things is it, it, we have to shift from making it all about our kids in the youth sports environment. So what we want to do is begin praying for our teammates. Um, our kids' teammates at night with them, with their coaches, with the other parents, and uh, praying for opportunities uh, to love them and to show love to them. And then what we want to do is uh, we want to begin to make friends with them, find out who their kids are with the the parents, um, encourage their teammates, catch the good in their kids, um, get some other conversations, get to know them a little bit, you know, have some good you know, conversations with them, make some friends. Um, and then also keep your eyes uh, wide open, uh, listening for the needs of some of the families. You might have some single moms who's might need some help with their, with their kids back and forth to practice. Mm. Um, uh, who knows, but there are needs. Maybe somebody in the family is sick 
uh, in the hospital. Well, wow, we might have a chance to bring them a meal, you know, just like we do for people in our own church, you know. So keep our eyes wide open and ears for for needs within the families that are on our teams and how we might need them. And then, hey, you might start by going out to eat with somebody after a game. Um, that may transition into inviting them over to your home. Um, I, and, and maybe not just the ones you get along with the most, maybe the ones that are most <laughs> difficult for you to get along with. Sure. Uh, I'll never forget. We had a, um, very difficult coach for one of our children and he, he was just, he was terrible screaming and screaming at the kids. It was a young age group. Oh, boy. Talk about my self-righteous indignation. And I really had to keep turning it over to the Lord, you know, to ask the Holy Spirit to take control. And and not only to take control just from self-control, not losing it, but I had to transition. to How do I love this man? And when you know it, one of my kids said, hey, I want to, because we were talking about, like, inviting kids over to the house. And he says, I want to invite so-and-so over to the house. And it turns out to be the coach's son. And so we invited the whole family over and it was really difficult because in my mind, I had some disdain, dislike for him. And then we had the most wonderful time over at the house Mm. and it it led to some good conversations and we're friends today. Um, And and I feel like that's what God would would want us to do. So, So these are just some of the best practices, but what we want to you know, dream about in this glory of the impossible is that God would use us in the lives, in the community. I'm not against churches doing sports ministry, but I'd love a revolution of churches equipping us in making disciples, going forth into our community with a missional approach with those far from Christ in the youth sporting environment and learning how to love them and how to bring them over to our homes, how to look for opportunities to meet their needs, and to be able to share the gospel so that the glory of the apostle might be that God would use us for trophies of grace in the process of changing a life, maybe an entire family's life for the gospel. Oh, wow, that would be amazing. Yeah, wow, that's, that is so good. And I'm so excited because these are these are the things that we are going to be exploring more in depth over the next several weeks. You know, we've started our challenge today of the 40-day fast. I envision, you know, other challenges in the future, Brian, that would include things like, hey, within the next couple of weeks, invite so-and-so over who you're not getting along with for dinner. Really get to know them, get involved in their lives. And so really just looking forward to some of these other challenges um, that that we are going to bring out and we're going to put out there to people uh, so that um, you know we can really begin to to journey in this together yeah great Nate super all right well we're gonna go ahead and um, like we said it was a little shorter this week uh, sign off and remember the things that we are talking about, are only possible through the glory of the impossible. Once again, we've been listening to Brian Davidson talk about the glory of the impossible, loving God and liking sports in the new scoreboard. And we want to just reemphasize 
the 30-day fast that is going to be taking place starting October 20th. We are going to be uh, – we have a Facebook page set up uh, like God uh, – sorry, <laughs> like sports, love God um, is going to be the Facebook page. I'm going to link that in the show notes so that you can be following progress of Brian and myself and our fast so that we can be praying for you if you're messaging us uh, so that we can really generate a community of, of, of people that are saying, you know what, I notice a need for change in my life in the area of sports, uh, whether it's recreational sports with youth, whether it's you as an adult and just indulging too much, whatever it might be, we want to be there. We want to be supporting you, praying for you, loving on you. And so you're going to be able to uh, click on that Facebook link, get a hold of us. We're going to have that Twitter account set up so that you can be communicating that way as well. And we just want to keep in contact. And again, this isn't a legalistic thing. This is if you want to join and participate with us, we welcome you to do that. We are doing this regardless of if we're the only two doing it or if we have 50 people or 100 people doing it. So we welcome you to join us. October 20th is the start date, and it's going to be 30 days, 30-day 30 sports fast. All right? Catch you all later.